Great. Well, if you were here last week, you will know that we left Nehemiah on a bit of a cliffhanger. So we're going to pick up that in a minute. But um, just in case you have got very short memory or you weren't here last week, I'm going to just do a quick recap of what God was speaking to us about last week. And then we're going to carry on and find out what happens to Nehemiah. So last, I was talking last week about God speaking to us as teams in hope about rebuilding, re-emerging from COVID from um, November, December last year, and how God spoke some truth to us from Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah is an Old Testament character who returned from exile in Persia and was part of the Jerusalem rebuilding project. Uh, fulfilling some of God's prophetic plans over that city, uh, despite what it looked like at the time, which was pretty desolate and, and broken down. And so my strap line was, we build as one, uh, taken from the, the Formula One strap line, which isn't a very good strap line because nobody, nobody could remember it last week. <laughs> the strap line is, we race as one. So we're adapting that a little bit, and it was, we build as one, and I had three main points last week. Uh, I did a bit of historical background. And, um, but I would encourage you just to read Ezra, Ezra and Nehemiah. The books go together. Listen to the podcast when it was, is available um, from last week. Look over the slides I put on the Facebook page. And ask yourself some of those reflective questions that I put on there, which carried a call to involvement and to action. So the three points that I had last week is our history is important. And we looked at, it was important to Nehemiah. He knew the prophetic promises of God. And it's important to us as Hope Church family. What are the prophetic promises over us? Uh, thanks to Jess, who was busy in the week. They're now available to us. Just click on the link she sent you. And you can have a glorious read of what God has spoken his prophetic promises over us as a church family. The second thing was our yes is important. Nehemiah asked, what can I do? And actually, we, we looked a lot last week about what our question would be to God. Is it what can I do? Um, and then lastly, our togetherness was important. So we looked at vision, faith, obedience, and most of all, testimony that led Nehemiah to re-envision the people who had lived with those broken down walls for decades to come together and build. So our togetherness is important. So we left Nehemiah and the people in a really good place last week. Half the wall was built. The people had come together in heart. There was an outpouring of joy and, they, they, um, and things were going great. Half a wall. And if you saw the slides I put on, you can see this put the picture of Jerusalem there, you can see that that was an amazing feat. But, and that's where we left it last week on the butt. <laughs> there were some circumstances waiting in the wings which threatened this togetherness and success. And that's where we're going to pick up the story uh, today. There were some minor, there have been some minor skirmishes of opposition and ridicule but this had been a bit brushed aside by the people's willingness and focus to build. So we're going to pick up the story at the beginning of chapter 4, round about verse 7. And so my first point, my first important point this week is, 
And if you're only going to listen to one important point this week, this is the one to listen to, is that learning to recognize and defeat opposition is important. Let me say that again. Learning to recognize and defeat opposition is important. So things started to happen in quick succession, actually, from especially from those who were in opposition to the wall being built. And they, they were invested in the rebuilding failing. And Israel was an occupied nation at the time, and some wanted it to stay that way. So ridicule, hopelessness, lack of vision began to infect the people. It replaced the faith, vision, and hope evident just a wee while earlier. How did that happen? So I'm going to read from Nehemiah um, chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, and it says, But when Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. An attitude of, what's the point, began to infect them. We're not going to be successful. Uh, This build is actually requiring of us more than we want to give. They had pretty short memories because, and their success was quickly forgotten. Do you know, the rubble had always been there. When they started at ground zero, the rubble had always been there. They'd got halfway, and now suddenly they were noticing the rubble. Do you know, doubt and opposition are absolutely draining. Our focus becomes more on what we see rather than what we believe. And we looked last week at what the people had taken into their hearts about the vision and the prophetic promises that God had spoken over him. They saw half a wall not finished, But a wee while before, they'd seen half a wall built. And Nehemiah recognized who he was fighting. Not the people, but the enemy, says in that. They they were the enemies. He was faced with a choice of who to believe. Circumstances which don't line up with God's promises always give us a choice. He prayed. That's what he did. He prayed. Pretty simple. He realized that this was never a Nehemiah project. This was a God project. So he kept his hope. And it says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 4 to 5, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt and blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Not losing hope is really important. It was great what Mark was bringing this morning. An upward spiral of believing God, that he is good, and that we live under abundant grace and righteousness. Or do we choose a downward spiral of my circumstances are more powerful than God, and I have only my own strength to rely on? The up escalator or the down escalator? Do you know, many years later, Paul was to express this so well in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 13. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. 
stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demigods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slanderer. And this is the great bit. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. You are destined for all things and you will rise victorious. Now, Nehemiah kept his hope, he prayed, but he also was a great practical guy as well. So he's practical and spiritual at the same time. And we we looked last week at how when he was talking to the king of Persia, he was able to ask God, listen, and speak all at the same time. And we were laughing, wouldn't we all like to be able to do that? God, what do I do? I'm listening, and I'm going to do it. And this is what he did. He built, and he guarded, and prayed. So he built, he kept on building, but he guarded, got people to guard one another, and he prayed. So he was God-focused and earth-focused at the same time. Whilst you are building, he's saying, be intentional and pray for God's protection. Strength and success. Basically, he's saying to them, you have dealing with doubt and opposition and a lack of hope entirely in your own hands. You make that choice of what you're going to believe. And he had the families. So these, we talked last week about each family built outside the house. So he had the families, and he had half of them build and half of them stand guard. And then they swapped over, and the half of them built and half of them stood. So they were beginning to protect themselves. And they began to realize also that they weren't just building a wall that the opposition and the doubt that came to them wasn't about just the circumstances of building a wall, but they were building something much, much deeper. And uh, just a a little example in in my small group, um, we're a family, and we often, we have a WhatsApp group, which I'm sure many, many others who are part of small groups have. WhatsApp groups are an amazing, it's like Zoom, isn't it? What an invention. Um, And we just post things to pray for. So somebody is in difficulty, they're building something, they're facing something, they just put on, please can you pray? So half the family is doing stuff, half the family is praying. And um, it, it, it's what I'm saying in action here. Um, some of the family on the front edge, some of us pray. And so it says in Nehemiah 4 verse 14, and, and I looked things over. And I stood up and said to the nobles, this is Nehemiah, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. They weren't just building a wall, actually. This was so much bigger than the bricks of a wall. This opposition actually attacked their foundations of who they were as a people of God. It attacked their families and it attacked their homes. And just as a footnote, this is a whole preach on its own, but this is a footnote. He also said that when you hear the sound of the trumpet, actually 
come with your families and all come together um, because it signaled a significant attack. They were to come together quickly and corporately to defeat the enemy. And it, corporate in the same space of doing things is really powerful, as well as the power that we carry for our own families. Um, but that's a whole other preach, which I haven't got time to do today because I'm on the clock. Um, but it, it, it's good if you're reading through it. So, okay, what happened then? Amazingly, Nehemiah 4 verse 15. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. Oh, hang on a minute. A couple of verses earlier, they weren't going to do any more. But there was something that God did in them as they prayed and they worked together that actually achieved what God wanted. And they just went back. Rubble didn't seem to matter now that they were knee-deep in it. That actually uh, were re-envisioned to do their own work. So what was the outcome? So there was practical building, prayer, intercession, defending their progress, coming together in a show of strength, determination, single-mindedness. We will do whatever we need to do to do this. And they fought like it involved them. This wasn't a distant problem. Okay, they came to Nehemiah and said, we can't do any more. But Nehemiah, in his wisdom from God, gathered them all in, envisioned them, told them how to deal with doubt and opposition. And so they owned the problem again. They had a few wobbles, that's true, but they fought out of those by listening to Nehemiah, who was plugged into God. So just like last week, I want to just throw out a few questions to you. These are not for us to answer now, but I would love you to go away and reflect on them. So what are we building in hope? That's the first question. What are we building in hope? How are we dealing with opposition that faces us in the now, both as a church family and individually? What would seek to rob us of our strength today? And where is our opposition coming from? So those four questions is for you to ponder. I will post these on Facebook, so if you haven't got a chance to note them down, you can still think about them. So moving on to second important point for this morning. A nod to Paul here, keeping our eyes on the prize is important. What were they really building? Physically, they were building brick upon brick. It looked like a wall. What would that give them? And we talked last week about a city with broken walls signaled a defeated people. The Jews who had returned to their homeland were left in both unsafe conditions and humiliated at living in a destroyed city. So that was the historical fact around it. That was what a war would give them back. It would give them victory. It would give them their homeland back. It would make them safe and they would be able to live without shame. However, what they built actually was so much more important than just a wall. And I don't have time to read chapter five of Nehemiah because it's such a great and wonderful chapter. I would encourage you to read through it because Nehemiah in the midst of the war going up calls the people together and restores community. He restored faith. 
God wanted to bring wholeness, not just a wall rebuilt. Important though that was. So in the midst of them, there was to be no injustice. There was to be a restoration of land and honor. There was to be a caring for people. How they treated one another was important. They were to reorientate them, their lives towards God and his ways. That's why silencing the voices of doubt and opposition were absolutely vital. And Nehemiah, in the midst of that, faced distraction, threats, plots to kill, intimidation, but he was plugged into God. He listened and he refused to turn towards doubt. And God imparted some solutions and he re rebuilt community, not just the external of the wall. It says so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. What a glorious verse. Do you know, our youngest daughter's doing a, a loft extension. That has taken way longer than 52 days. Um, but God had inspired and resourced. We saw that last week. And he had established his presence back in the city. And he brought back a God-centered, honoring community where everyone mattered, brought prosperity and joy to the people. No wonder Nehemiah is a bit of our template on how to build. So some questions to ponder about keeping our eyes on the prize. For us, just at this time, as we're looking to rebuild, are we just rebuilding meetings and church structure in this season? Or is God looking to impart far more to us? Number two, what does God want to do in our midst as we emerge from COVID? And number three, what is God restoring in hope in this season? Just things for you to let drop into your heart. And last point for today is the wall that becomes a doorway is important. So Nehemiah and the builders ignored the negative, unbelieving voices that Jerusalem was just destroyed and was unrebuildable. That was what Nebuchadnezzar did to Jerusalem, wanted to make it unrebuildable. And he focused on what God was doing, and he completed the wall in 52 days, less than eight weeks. It's like one week more than the summer holidays. The whole wall was completed. But security also came to those who lived in Jerusalem that's true and but chapter 7 again I don't have time to read it it's a long list of people yeah. and when the Bible puts in long lists of people that it has in there for a reason and it's a wonderful long list of all the exiles who had returned who were, who were returning to Jerusalem who now found a home there as a result of Nehemiah's work what an inspiring chapter the, the wall that they worked so hard to build up actually was a doorway through which people came in. It brought peace and security to a region, not just inside the wall, and its influence of Jerusalem spread far and wide. What started as re-envisioning a community to rebuild together provided a doorway for others to come for shelter and security. We actually build bigger than we know. 
Let me say that again. We build bigger than we can see. God's plans are so much bigger, wider, and higher than our own. So, 52 days to build a wall. Of course, they're going to celebrate, just like we did when 50,000 came into our church finances. Um, But rebuilding was never the end, but the beginning. And so they read God's word, they realized their inheritance as the chosen people of God. They were a holy people and they celebrated what God had done in their midst. God also brought a wider understanding of what he'd been doing. They weren't just celebrating what they had built, but who they had built with, both God and their community. And Nehemiah 8, verse 6 and verse 10 says, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice, choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the outcome was much bigger than they thought they were doing at the start, committing themselves to rebuilding some walls. But God was mightily restoring his promises them to allow them not only to surround themselves with him, but to throw open the gates of the city and welcome in the exiles and be the expanding community with God at the centre. Now, I haven't had time to read the whole book of Nehemiah, which I think... You know, God's words are always more powerful than than man's. But I would encourage you to read it. It is such an amazing book of how God blesses those who who have a heart to rebuild and to be inclusive. You'll be mightily blessed. So I want to leave us this morning with a bit of discussion time in, in sort of groups of three and four. Now, I know because I have been you, that there will be some people who will be saying, oh, what? Actually, I don't really want to be in a discussion group. I don't actually want to talk about it. I'd just like, you know, have a chat and go home. Uh, I know, because I've thought that myself. Um, I don't really want to discuss a few questions together. So I was praying about this because this is the, that's the question I ask God. Mm, what are people going to think about discussion groups? And God spoke two things to me that I want to impart to you this morning. And the first thing is, using our words is important. So sometimes when we hear things, it goes to head, heart, it bounces back up again to our head and to our heart, and actually nothing comes out of our mouths. And so actually, do we actually learn anything? Is our actions changed? And sometimes speaking something out, even if, well, I don't really understand that point you made, or how's that gonna work then? is actually really important. For me, I have heard words come out of my mouth sometimes, and I have convinced myself to believe something by something that's come out of my mouth. Mm. So first thing, using our words and expressing how we feel in a group together is important. And secondly, I just felt God say this morning that declaration and declaring something is powerful. And I just felt God say this morning there are some things gonna be declared in our discussion groups this morning of what God is going to do with hope, what he is restoring, that are creative declarations of actually as we speak them out and say, 
I want to be involved in that. I think we would be great to do that. I think this is what God's doing, that there is a release of the power of God in that, that actually we're going to, the future for us is going to be from things that we talk about this morning. I just feel God is on that. Let's declare some things as a church family. So we don't have projectors, so I'm going to just read you the questions, and then I'd just like you to get in twos or three, well, three or fours probably is easier, making sure that everybody has a chance to speak, and then whilst we're discussing, I'll just um, read out the questions. Don't worry if you don't get all of them done, but it would be great if you could um, just start to talk about. So what do you feel God is saying about his purposes for hope? How can hope become a doorway as well as a wall? How can I or you be part of that, we be part of that? Slow down, slow down. Sorry. I'll go through them again. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What does this mean for us in this season? So I'll go through them again. What do you feel God is saying about his purposes for hope? How can hope become a doorway as well as a wall? How can we, I, be part of that? And do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. What does this mean for us in this season?